listening to the SLCC podcast series What's on the Agenda. Each episode brings you content created especially for clerks. The shows include question and answer sessions with sector experts, special guests and much more. Learn more about our podcasts by visiting us at slcc.co.uk slash podcasts. Hello, I'm Shelley Parker at the Society of Local Council Clerks. I'm here talking to Henry Massey, who is a parish councillor at Broadclist Parish Council. Broadclist is a village in the beautiful East Devon countryside. And amongst other things, we're going to be talking about clerks and their training and the community governance course. So, Henry, can you can you tell me a bit about yourself and how you got into the world of parish and town councils? Okay, so I moved to the village of Broadlist back in 2004, roughly a week before my son was born. So an exciting period of time for us as we bought a house and had a new baby. And about nine months after I moved in, um, someone applied to build a house very close to our property. And I wrote a letter of objection and a copy of that went to the parish council. And five days later, the then chair of the parish council turned up my front door, knocking on the front door, saying, we got your letter. We like the way you wrote it. Would you like to be a councillor? And he persuaded me to join. I did have some background. My father has been vice chair of his parish council for many years. And my mother was clerk to her parish council for in excess of 30 years. So with a mother as a clerk and a father as a vice chair of a council, Parish councils weren't completely alien to me, and I had grown up as a child walking around the village with drawing pins, pinning up notices of meetings to various locations. So I was very, but the difference is, I think that my father, who's still um, on his parish council, is one of the smallest councils in the UK. His precept is um, £800 a year. Our precept is nearly 400,000 a year. So we're quite different in scale. However, some of the um, the concerns, the, the things we have to do are the same, be it a tiny little council like my parents or the council that I'm involved with. So anyway, I was recruited by the then chair, found myself made head of planning within about six months. Uh, within a year and a half of coming on board, I was made vice chair and I stood the role of vice chair for quite a few years and then about three or four years ago now I became chair when the, the previous chair um, resigned so I've been chair of our council now for about four years. You know what Henry I think it's in your blood isn't it <laughs> and, you, and, you, and you're quite right to make that comment about how different councils can be because we have very tiny councils like your father's uh, and we have very large councils like Northampton Town Council with a you know population of 70,000 to look after and we're all working to the the, the same that the same legislation so yes. you know um, a big range anyway tell me a bit about Broadclist itself you know where it is and the size of the council that sort of thing so we're fairly unusual in some ways. You, you allude to the fact that Broadclist is a village in East Devon, and that bit is completely right. We are a village with a few hundred houses, and maybe maybe less than a thousand people living in the village of Broadclist. However, we have an additional nine hamlets across our parish. And we also have two other major population centres, which are both new builds. We are on the edge of Exeter and the new builds that are taking place effectively tag on to the edge of Exeter, but sit within our parish. So of our 6,000 population, 5,000 of those probably don't live in the village of Broadlist and are spread amongst the new developments and across the hamlets. And there's about three and a half thousand houses across the parish and 25 square miles. 
precept, as I said a few minutes ago, is um, just under £400,000. That has grown. When I became a counsellor in 2005, our precept was 35,000. So we've gone from 35,000 to 400,000 in less than 20 years, which is significant growth. So a small council with big responsibilities, you're the chair of that council. Can you tell me a bit about that role? Oh, it's great fun. Chair of the council. I I tried before we had this conversation, try to think about what my role involves. And um, initially I thought I'd been a playground supervisor, um, but probably not probably not what people want to hear. But we've got 15 councils, which with which I am one. Um, I probably talk to the clerk the most and I probably have a conversation or some form of communication with our clerk, I would say on a daily basis. Um, even yesterday at 3.30, I was calling her about a road closure and she was calling me on Saturday about something. So almost every day of the week, we communicate in one way or another. I communicate with all the other councillors. I'm often the, the idea person. They'll come to me with ideas and I will push back or, or, or discuss that. So I'm often a bouncing board. An awful lot of external liaison. So if we're having major developments, I, I might be the person who meets the, the development team running that. So in some ways, the face who goes out there and meets people. I mentioned the playground supervisor. I'm the one who has to get those other 14 councillors to work together to effectively communicate, to put across ideas during meetings in a way that gets people on board without actually alienating or causing problems. So a facilitator, I suppose. I'm glad you haven't said herding cats because I, I, I have actually said I've heard that a couple of occasions. From I counselors. must admit, I must admit, I did actually think, shall I use that? Because that's not far <laughs> off. <laughs> External liaison. Does that include uh, liaising with your principal council? Do you, do you have sort of a double or triple hatted um, councillor sitting on your, your, your council table? We do. We have a the moment we have one of our county councillors who is also on our parish council and we have i think i think now we have all three all three of our district councillors are also parish councillors so four of our parish councillors are either county or district as well so which makes that level of communication relatively straightforward yes it does now how the council runs you you have obviously you mentioned planning do you have many other standing committees aside from that Planning and the environment, actually, we combine both those into a single into a single committee. Obviously, finance, as you'd expect with, with any council to have. We have a staffing committee as well, which meets uh, whenever we have staffing things to discuss. We have an emergency management one, which deals with flooding or any of the problems within the village. We have communications and that deals with a newsletter, which we call the broadsheet, broadcast broadsheet, which we, we deliver to every single household um, four times a year. It also deals with things like our website and keeps that updated, basic general communications. We have a traffic committee as well. We have a youth committee to deal with youth provision within our villages. I'm going to in plural. We have an airport liaison. We have an airport in the on the boundary. We have police liaison. So we have an awful lot of committees. Some of those, like finance, meet very very regularly, and planning. Some of them meet far less frequently um, because we don't need them. So, for instance, emergency management doesn't need to meet on a regular basis. Now, that's an awful lot of stuff going on. Have you yes. got a big staff to look after all of that? We have a relatively small staff. So we have uh, we have our clerk, Angie, 
And we also have a vice clerk, Tash. Both of them are full time and have a habit of working beyond their full time, which I believe is common across all clerks. So we have a, a constant, constant thing there to try and ensure Angie sticks to hours, her hours. Um, then we also have um, a groundsman um, who comes in, and helps look after our, our land, our playing fields, etc. And we also have something else we have here, um, a cleaner for our toilets. And, and then we also have a number of additional staff who come in for, for sporadic bits and pieces. So when we have the fun day, we might have additional staff on board and, and general maintenance when we need it. But our permanent full time clerks, two of them. Right. Now, that, that, that clerk, pretty much the central cog in the wheel. Yeah. Is, yes. is, how, how, well, how do you see the role of the clerk? Well, the official thing is she's the head of the paid service. Mm. The, the clerk is always there. Councillors will come and go. So councillors turn over, they do three years, sometimes they don't stay on board. Apart from people like me being on for a long time, we do have a changing number of, of councillors and some say I'm happy to do this for three years, that's enough. The clerk, however, is there throughout successive terms. In our case, she, Angie, is responsible to making sure things get done. She is our responsible financial officer. She manages the operations, she manages the other people there. She keeps us legal. Her understanding of what we can and can't do, what our powers are, is there. She deals with our communications. Before I email externally, I will typically run that email through Angie. So she has a copy of what I'm saying and she makes sure that what I've said is legal and is compliant. She would describe herself as, our, as a mug and a dog's body. I think that's particularly fair, but <laughs> but literally everything. And her typical day, I wrote a list actually for our broadsheet magazine a, a, a few weeks ago, the things that we do. You name it, it comes up from helping draft planning responses to dealing with the food bank we run within our parish to dealing with comms, making sure that everything goes out is, as say, is legal. Everything. Absolutely. I, I cannot think of a more wide ranging, all encompassing role. I think you pretty much hit the nail of, on the head. Gone are the days, really, if they ever existed, um, of the Vicar of Dibley image of a clerk, a bumbling clerk doing little more than taking the minutes because today like you say they're filling in the agar form looking after potholes not filling them in personally um, but leading on we, litter we, picks we maintain our bids. potholes so she will organize the work gangs <laughs> to do that it's the, i would suggest that the minute taking is one of the smallest parts of her role absolutely the, the role really equates to a chief exec yeah. or a, a, a chief officer it's unique, it is. isn't it, really? They cut, there are not many professions uh, that, 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 that actually cover quite so much. Everything. I've even seen her put a wellies on and help push cars out of floods. So that's probably not in her job description, but certainly <laughs> something I have seen her do. Does, does everything, literally everything. Are there any particular projects that, uh, that, that she's been involved with that you're particularly proud of? So many. Setting up and running the Brooklyn Food Bank. So particularly during lockdown, um, she helps set that food bank up and then volunteers on, on her own time on top of her work as a clerk to ensure that that runs smoothly and supports a number of vulnerable families across the entire parish. That's been a fantastic job and is very well regarded. That goes well beyond the scope of what a clerk would do, but I'm very proud of what she's done. I could also cite the work she's done on the new communities that we have growing Thousands of new houses being built. In many cases, the houses go in before the facilities. So you have no shops, you have no community centre, you have no play facilities. And when these do go ahead, they often don't get delivered quite right. And Angie, 
our clerk and Tash, our assistant clerk, are, have become very much that support team who help all those young families moving into those large scale housing developments, maybe thousand plus houses, without those facilities, without that support network you would get in an established community. So really, it, not just supporting the council, but supporting all those residents as well, isn't it? Absolutely. From We've had heating systems. We have a, a, um, a district heating system in a number of areas, which, are, which you would often find in new builds. District heating systems sometimes don't work. Uh, when your house central heating fails, your house goes down. When a district heating system goes down, every house goes down. <laughs> and um, we had issues last winter where houses were going for several days with no hot water. Uh, no heating and these are families with young children so liaising with with the companies who manage that liaising with and in i attended meetings there with um, our mp present county councillors district councillors all kinds of people to try and get those issues resolved now of course angie didn't just pop up all equipped with these skills from the start um, and, um, and I'm sure you, you'll know the background to it all, that the SLCC provides lots of opportunities for training um, from essential knowledge with something called ILCA, right you know, to, to the Certificate of Local Council um, Administration, otherwise known as SILCA, which is really the um, sector recognised qualification to be in uh, this game, um, right through to diplomas, foundation degrees, uh, the BA Honours degree, and now we have a Masters as well. And alongside that, there are various other training courses dealing with cemeteries, play areas, climate change, that sort of thing. Is this been vital to the way that the council is run, do you think? Well, when Angie started, she was our first full time clerk. So our previous clerk had worked three days a week and we were in the days of having a precept of that point, probably 50,000, I'd say. Uh, when Angie came on board with all the new developments taking place, we knew we couldn't just have a clerk as a minute taker. Our clerk had to better do lots of new things. Um, so we employed her with the view that she would require training. And Angie's background had nothing to do with local government, nothing to do with clerking. Um, she could write, um, and she was also an organized individual and a very forthright one, if you know Angie but she didn't have any of the necessary or required experience. So from day one, we engaged a number of courses. And um, before we spoke today, I gave Angie a quick call and said, just exactly what have we done? And uh, we lost count. So we, we could look at the small courses, which could be everything from that, HR, conflict resolution, debt management, affordability, becoming a ROSPA qualified playground inspector, you name it, are the small ones. Then, of course, there's the journey that Angie's taken over the last, it must be 10 years now, in, in more formal training. And you mentioned a second ago, Silka. Well, she did the level four initially, and then the level five, and then the level six. And the level six, of course, is a BA in community governance. She's now looking at the masters. So she's gone through the entire journey from someone who had never done any training at all in local governance to someone who now has a BA in community governance which has been funded by us as a parish council. And Angie, of course, has done a lot of extra time and hours to get there, but we've completely supported this. We would not be able to do what we do now had we not given Angie that training and, and that opportunity. And of course, she had a first class degree didn't she yeah so she she's, was great. Really she's great really straight through with a first and, <laughs> uh, and now and now lectures as well Absolutely. Um, so yes your you angie was, was switched on um that yeah. was never in doubt 
but she's done all this as well with four children at home. So with four children at home, she has single-handedly managed those four children. They've all come out very successfully now, whilst also doing things like setting up the food bank and running the food bank and getting a first in um, community <laughs> governance. So I think she's done okay. Yes, she's done extremely well. Now, you've generously said that the, the council um, funded that um, uh, that training and those courses. Do you see that outlay as, a, as an investment, as a worthwhile investment in your council and community? I can't think of why you wouldn't fund training. To deliver what we do, we cannot do that without without having a properly trained clerk. We simply couldn't function. So it isn't just it isn't just a, a useful thing to do. It is essential. I, I can't imagine us being able to do half of what we're able to do now and to be able to support the people within our parish as we do if we didn't have a properly trained clerk. Yeah, a, a professional clerk. Absolutely. Yes. It, 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 it should be seen as a profession. And the ability to turn to Angie during a meeting to my right and saying, what can we do here legally? Um, what are the options here? What to actually have someone it's like having a solicitor sitting next to me throughout the meetings who can answer the questions and at times even comes back with well there was a test case in 2010 this has been decided to have that level of knowledge is probably above and beyond what you would expect but you will quote case law back to me which i find quite interesting <laughs> what, what there are councils disappointingly that are reluctant to pay for training for their clerks why why do you think that is and what would you say to those particular councils um, I think taking my parents one as an example, my mother was a clerk, as I said, for 20 years and she didn't have any training. And actually, she's retired now, but um, the clerk who's taken over hasn't, but has had a number of, of inform- informative emails from Angie about the right way to do things. And is no longer putting um, AOB at the bottom of all of her minutes, the, um, which, is, which is one of Angie's big, big things. In their case, their, their annual precept is £800 and they simply, their precept is too small to pay for mm-hmm. training. When, one of the things that we did is we knew that our precept was too small. And so we put our precept up and to, to bring enough money to be able to train our clerk properly, it enabled us to do all the things that we wanted to do as, as, a, as a parish council. So we worked out what we wanted to achieve. And having decided what we wanted to achieve, we worked out how we were going to get there. And the only way to get there was to make sure we hired a clerk who, who either, one, came with the knowledge, which we thought was unlikely, or two, one, that we would better give that knowledge to through training. So to us, it was a, it was a fairly straightforward process. What's it going to cost to train our clerk level that we want her to be at? Work out what that is. In our case, we worked it out at a roughly, for our size, it was about £7,500 a year, and then precept for that. So our precept went up. Are there any murmurings from your residents about why it might have been put up and, and did you explain that to them? Oh, yes, I appeared on TV. Um, so, yes, there were. But it wasn't just about our clerks training. We put our preset up as well to cover other things we wanted to do. And if you're going to do things properly, you have to have a proper precept. And it meant that our preset rose considerably. And there were some residents who weren't happy and they went to the local press, they went to the local radio, they went to BBC TV. And I spent several weeks being called every other day, I think, to appear on to be on TV. So I was interviewed by the BBC, by the various radio stations in newspapers to justify why the council had put the precepts up. Not all councillors agreed at that point in time. It was a split vote 
but it was a strong majority. I think it was 13 out of 15 councillors supported our increase in precept. But as I said, it wasn't just to fund the clerk. There were other things we wanted to do. And I think even those councillors who didn't support the increase in precept, the size we did take it to, agreed that at least the training component should be spent. Now that, that's good news and put you on the on the right path. And, and of course, today, as the shape of our principal councils change and get bigger, you know, and more is going to be devolved undoubtedly to town and parish councils. Having a trained clerk in place is absolutely key if you're actually going to be able to support your council and residents properly. I I I can't understand um, the, the risk that councils have if they don't have a trained clerk. We have indemnity insurance, but our indemnity insurance especially states quite clearly that our clerk has to be superly qualified. So if you are a council and you don't have a suitably qualified clerk, I have to question whether or not the council is insured. I don't know. I think looking at our own policy, I don't think we would be. We would simply not be able to serve our population if we did have a suitably qualified clerk. And I would be legally exposed in meetings. I would be doing things that would leave us open to action if I didn't have someone there to say to me quietly, um, think about what you're saying here and how we need to do this here, how we need to word that, what process we need to go through and get that right. So really, you've, you've given me a lovely explanation about what can happen if your clerk um, doesn't have that breadth of experience, really. It can land you as being culpable in a number yes. of insurance situations. I would suggest it probably could. And it would certainly would worry me if we didn't. If Angie was to leave us, um, it would annoy me. I don't think she will, I think she, because I don't think she will find a job that offers such a wide range of things that she does, unless she joins and becomes a trainer. But whoever was to take over, we would expect to go through the same level of qualification. And that's one of the reasons why we have two clerks, because if we lose one, we have another clerk who is also trained, mm. not to the same level, but at least could keep us going whilst we've had another clerk. Do you think it's helpful in terms of... Um, um, your own liaison with officers at your principal authority? They come to Angie for advice. Ah. So, yes, um, certainly when it comes, I've, I've, I've seen East Devon ask Angie questions about what they can and can't do and how they should do things. So does it help liaison? Well, the level of respect that comes to us is far greater. And I think the ability or the likelihood of East Devon listening to our planning letters is far greater. And I have seen that our planning responses are far more likely to carry weight now than they would have done seven or eight years ago, because they're properly structured. They quote correct planning law. And when a, when a letter comes from us, it tends to it, it is um, it tends to I would suggest carry more weight than one from some parishes where it's been written as an emotional response to a planification rather than one um, citing relevant regulations etc etc which ours do but yes certainly so, I, I've seen East Devon come to Angie with with questions about how they should do things so that's yes very, that's, that's, that's very impressive and so she's really building up uh, an important good relationship with your principal authority and that's yes. going to be useful on all yes. sorts of levels, isn't it? Yeah, not just yeah. planning. <laughs> so to, to finish up with, what would your message be to those councils considering paying for training for their clerks? Yeah, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Very do Richard it. Branson. Yeah, do it. <laughs> I, I can't understand how anyone would think there's a, a, any reason not to train. 
why would you want to as if you are a counselor why would you want the person the the the, the person who's there to make sure you are legal that you comply that you do all the things that you need to do as a counsel that one person whose job it is to do that why on earth we want someone to do that who did not have the right experience if i was having an operation and I found out that my surgeon had that morning read a book on the subject and was going to operate on me. I'd probably run a mile. I'd want them to be trained. Yet somehow counsellors think it's absolutely fine for the person who keeps them on the straight and narrow and ensures they're legally compliant is absolutely fine if they're not trained. And I can't think of any other professions where that is accepted. So train them. Henry? You've explained beautifully the importance of training and qualifications for all clerks. Thank you very much. That's quite all right. Um, all clerks, counsellors and counsellors interested in the courses and training, uh, there's lots on the uh, SLCC website at slcc.co.uk. Thank you for listening. Thank you.